Hello, and welcome to Rare Minds, a podcast by Walter Reed, Army Institute of Research, which we call Rare. I'm your host, Army Captain Tom Nassif. In this episode of the podcast, we will have a mindfulness exercise that will help you connect with others. But first, in his 37-year career, Lieutenant General Walter Pyatt has served in Afghanistan and Iraq, earned a Ranger tab, and commanded the 10th Mountain Division, among many other achievements. He currently serves as the Director of the Army Staff, a role from which he ensures the goals of the Secretary of the Army and the Army Chief of Staff are being met. General Pyatt has also become known as one of the Army's most prominent advocates for the value of mindfulness in the military. We spoke with Lieutenant General Pyatt about how he came to the practice of mindfulness, the importance of discernment in the midst of combat, and the need for leaders to make time for soldiers to focus on themselves. General Pyatt was interviewed by former Rare Commander Deidre Tehan in part one of a two-part discussion. Sir, thank you for taking time to speak with us today about mindfulness. We know that you're a huge advocate for mindfulness. How did you get interested in it? Well, it's a, it's a long story, but I, it happened in 2010, and I was a brigade commander in 25th ID in Hawaii. Just got back from many back-to-back deployments, uh, and I met two very intelligent people, Dr. Amishi Ja and Dr. Elizabeth Stanley. Uh, they were offering something different, you know, because every time we would come back, we would do reintegration training. We'd present soldiers with a bunch of information of what not to do, how to reintegrate from combat back to uh, your normal life. You know, don't don't go spend all your money you just saved over the deployment. Don't go drinking uh, 15 or 12 months worth of not drinking and do it in two nights. Um, how to reintegrate with your spouse so you'd avoid domestic uh, violence and things of this nature. All these very difficult subjects we knew uh, could possibly manifest post-deployment, but we weren't really helping people with the tools that, that, that were causing this, you know, and that was really caused by stress. We were giving them information and then wondering why it was happening. And so our many deployments, we've watched this happen time and time again. Uh, only the more deployments you're on, the faster it would happen post-deployment. And so we wanted to try something different. And I remember myself and, and uh, Sergeant Major Tony Marrero, we sat and we listened to Dr. Stanley and Dr. Jaw describe what they wanted to try and the study they wanted to do on our brigade post-deployment and prepare for the next deployment that would be coming up. And they described us perfectly. Like within the first few minutes, I knew this, there was something here because they described how we were acting, how we were reacting, how we were doing things without thinking, how we were multitasking how we were, our mind was always somewhere else and never on the task at hand, uh, and how we were, and that, they didn't even mention the word mindfulness yet or, or practice, so I didn't know what it was, but I was already hooked because they, they presented, you know, really scientific evidence that uh, there's something here that it could work. So instead of information, we were willing to try something. And then they introduced this program uh, with this uh, mindfulness-based and we wanted to, we were really all eager to go, but only about 200 or so made the study group. I did not make the group, so I was, I was offended. You thought as a commander I would make it, but I didn't. So I had to teach myself, and, and, I, and I noticed 
almost immediate impacts that you know doing something as as simple as doing nothing uh it it just opened my my mind so much and i was now not checking my blackberry first thing in the morning and we had blackberries back then if you don't know what they are uh but immediately every time i woke up i checked the blackberry and i felt like you know i had to make up for the few hours i was asleep on whatever emails came in uh and then i remember playing catch with my son and he even said dad you're not like on your phone you're like you're like here and it just really hit me wow this is really i'm learning something here and and i i had thought i was good at this deployment and reintegration i actually thought i was experiencing post-traumatic growth and and, and um, i just i didn't realize how it was affecting me and and i also remember i think the most important thing is i just remember listening to my wife like actually listening to her, not not forming an answer as she was talking, not trying to answer her quickly, not trying to dismiss what she was saying, but just listening. And I just remember listening and how how wonderful her voice sounded. And I really felt that I was home for the first time in, in many years uh, because every time I'd come back, I was already focused mentally uh, on the next next mission or the reintegration of the soldiers. I was never really there. So this very simple practice uh, uh, I noticed immediate impacts, and I was very excited about uh, our unit participating in a study and what I thought the Army would definitely learn from it. Um, for those that are new to mindfulness, what does mindfulness mean to you? How would you describe it to somebody that hasn't been practicing? Well, I, it's really living, being in the moment, being in the now w without judgment. And for military folks, I think we best get it when we say, you know, the, the Army has taught us how to stand at attention, but they never really told us how to pay attention. Uh, we're not taught that. We're really taught that multitasking is probably a sign of strength. You know, you can do more. You can sleep less. All these things. But they never really ex understand the strength of the power of, of doing nothing and, and, to, and to, to focus on it, to just be in the now, to be where you need to be is the most important thing you're doing right now and to actually physically and mentally be there and not be mentally somewhere else. And I think that's how it makes sense for most military members. Uh, but mindfulness, it, it allows you to observe without thinking. So obviously, as a healthcare provider, I've been a big advocate for mindfulness. But what really struck me when I was stationed at Schofield Barracks is my neighbor was a battalion commander for 25th ID, and he really attributed his success of his unit and his actions to practicing mindfulness every day in, while they were deployed. Specifically, he'd go up to the rooftop, and he would just, at the end of each mission, just practice his mindfulness before he went on with the rest of the day as soon as they came back in the wire. He really felt that was the key to his success. Can you describe the benefits you have found from practicing mindfulness either during a deployment or as a strategic leader or even during the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, well, well, thank you for, for doing that with the 25th ID. And I think the battalion commander's comments I just fully agree with. And I think anyone who would do what he has done will notice those effects immediately. Uh, but to be to be calm when things are so chaotic uh, is something we try to train for, and we try to train for it by applying, creating an environment where things are chaotic and hectic, uh, and you're forcing people to react, and you may be overloading their mind. But we need to step back and think that mindfulness has a place in that training of soldiers that we're going to put in that position. And I remember so many times from deployments of, of 
folks who are able to somehow see clearly and see things differently when everybody else was seeing what they were trained to see or were just so overwhelmed with stress of the moment that they couldn't see. Uh, and I, I remember on one deployment where my, my vehicle was hit with an IED and it sadly wasn't the first time and it wasn't the last time. But in, in this particular time, I remember you know, coming out of the vehicle, quickly observing the area, and I could tell immediately which way the, the threat had come from. Uh, but I could also see immediately we had a new platoon of security with us, uh, and they overreacted and were absolutely moving in the wrong direction. And they were moving in a, in a, in a hostile stance with weapons pointed, moving towards a crowd uh, of civilians that were coming to see what the explosion was, a natural reaction to anybody that would hear something like that. And I remember getting in front of them, and, and they were, like, very nervous because now I was in front of them, and they were worried about me. And they said, sir, get back. We, we've got this. we got this. And I told them, I'm not worried uh, about you. You know, I'm worried about the people coming here. And, and, you know, and I just I couldn't get them to calm down. And I remember, you know, what my wife would always tell me when our, when our daughter was first born. She, you know, she would cry, and I would hold her, and I was not, not doing very well as a father. And she would say, if you want calm, you got to be calm. And that's what I told the soldiers that day. It's like, you've got to be calm here, and you got to see that you're completely going the wrong direction. Your mannerisms are completely creating the wrong reaction. You're not thinking this through. You're doing exactly what the enemy wants you to do. And I've seen that over and over again. But what we didn't know then is how do you train for that? Why do some soldiers do it naturally and some don't? Some will do it one time but not the other. Uh, it, it's very difficult. But, it, but we learned that if you, if you connected, if you saw things without judgment first, uh, a lesson I learned in Afghanistan from a friend of mine who was a, a governor, he told me at the end of the year and I asked him why we did so well in our time together. And he said, well, it was, he said, it was you. He said, you became my friend first before you told me what to do. And simply translated, that meant, you know, seek to understand before you demand to be understood. And too often in military deployments, we, we push to, be, to demand to be understood. And we don't seek to stop and understand the environment we're in, the people we're in, how their lives are affected. And you have to, you have to do this. So how do you do it? And mindfulness is a, is a, is a, fundamental approach to doing this well because you observe without judgment you're 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 still you're training your your mind to be able to see and be in that moment which is so helpful in these very difficult and, and complex situations where you can it, it's one thing to be able to feel without judgment but it's another thing to be able to see without judgment and I think both are absolutely vital for the situations the complex situations we we put folks in whether it's uh, combat deployment to Afghanistan, or it's, you know, responding to a COVID crisis here in the United States, or simply just, you know, being home and with your, with your family. As the Army gets ready to prepare for multi-domain operations, and we at least understand now from the, the doctrine being written that physical supremacy will always be important for the Army to be able to do it, but really cognitive dominance and emotional resilience is going to really play a bigger role in multi-domain operations because of the um, importance of decision-making. How do you see mindfulness in the future compared to mindfulness that you've practiced to date? Well, I think how we're practicing it now is absolutely vital for the future. I think 
our, our multi-domain operations and the way we push future, uh, way we envision future warfare and struggles, they're vital. We have to we have to be prepared. We have to think things through, but we have to also understand that you know war is 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 the ugliest of human inventions, and and no amount of technological advancement are gonna, is going to make war easy, nor is it going to make it safe, nor is it going to guarantee victory on one side or the other. And and we uh, we understand that. But we also understand we cannot be blinded by technology. Technology will enable it. It certainly will help us maneuver, but it, but it's it, it but it's going to have to start with our with our our cognitive and emotional skills. I'm I'm just convinced of it. We cannot pull uh, clear thinking humans out of this because it is so dangerous. We have to be able to see things for what they are, not for how we're trained to see them. And no amount of technology is going to be able to put that environment together and be able to see uh, the uniqueness of how things come together. Everything through most of our technology, everything can look like a target. Everything isn't a target. And, and to be able to pay attention in that moment and to see the complexity and to be able to point out that one or two things in there, to be able to discern that this is not a threat or it is a threat, will remain a basic skill that soldiers will have to do now uh, and in the future. And mindfulness gives you the tools to do that. And I think it's absolutely vital. I mean, your, your work showed us this, what you've did in 25th Idea, improved performance. So you're, you're, you're under pressure, you have to uh, you know, acquire targets, you have to be able to hit a target, but you have to make sure that it is a target. I mean, people forget about that. That is the first step. I mean, it's one thing to be able to be very good with your weapon. It's another thing to be able to know when not to use it. Both are absolutely vital for soldiers, both skills. They, they have a split second to decide. And we want them to be at their very best and very clear of mind when, when they're making that decision. And, and this is why it, it's fundamental. And I, I think the work that uh, Dr. Jaw and her lab in University of Miami have shown uh, this is important. It's why the research is so important. It's why the science is so important. This is not uh, some kind of gimmick. You know, I think the science will show you that there are ways that you can practice that will uh, exercise your mind to give you the skills to be at your you know, very best, your very clearest when things are at their very worst. For mindfulness to work in multi-domain operations, we really need to be practicing it in garrison. And uh, in our research at the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research has found that when soldiers practice it three to four days a week, you get the best benefits. So for example, we found that of all the variables, it improves um, stress shoot accuracy by 20%. Um, but our lives are very busy. So how do you practice mindfulness um, with this in garrison with the speed of operations that we're currently um, find yourself in? Well, I would say, you know, how, how do you not? Uh, I think the harder the day is, the more you want to. Uh, so that sounds easy, but, you know, I, I, I always, every single day after physical training, that's when I find it the most convenient time for me, uh, especially I live on Fort Myer, so I have wonderful views of the city, and at, at, at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning, there's normally nobody there except maybe the military police are out, uh, but it's peaceful. And it gives me a time to be by myself, without my phone, without distractions, um, and to practice. But then you get into the building, and, and the day can start, and it's a, it's just can be absolutely crazy. So you find moments within the day to just walk through the courtyard, take mindfulness walks, learn how to embed mindfulness practices into daily activities, I think is the, is the way to 
is, is the way to approach it because there are many activities we can do that don't require, you know, a devoted time, isolation, or a separate place where we're all alone. There are little things that we do. We can practice it even before, you know, I go to a meeting before I leave an office just to sit and be still. Just, just even for two minutes is just it's, – it's something – that, that grounds you and balances you and allows you to do it or walk out in the courtyard. And I have a habit of staring at trees. It sounds kind of funny, but it was a way to, it was a way to focus my mind to pull to, so I would not allow my mind to wonder. Uh, and it's very helpful to me, but a lot of folks do it in other ways too. So I just, I, I do it. I think that, uh, in the army, uh, we, we put so much emphasis on time management, uh, and doing physical training, they're, they're, and we say, well, there's not any more time in the day for soldiers to do one more thing. I, w- I would say there, there is really, if you're going to manage the time, you have to do this one more thing. And if you do this one more thing, if you practice, if you put it into your daily routine, you'll find that you actually have more time and, and that you were actually wasting time on things that just didn't need to be done. Lieutenant General Pyatt is the author of two books. She came to the door to wave goodbye, a soldier's thoughts about family, life, and the war in Afghanistan, and Paktika, the story of the 2nd Battalion, 27th Infantry Wolfhounds in Paktika, Afghanistan. We will conclude our discussion with the general in our next episode. This next practice, compassion practice, is very relevant to today's times. Many people struggle with feeling safe. People are concerned about health with the pandemic. And happiness can be elusive due to the social isolation and social distancing that many follow to protect their health. And if we're not feeling safe, healthy, and happy, that can stand in the way of feeling fulfilled and at peace. And this also is relevant to the deployed environment where you're surrounded oftentimes by enemy combatants Safety and health um, become major concerns and worries for our soldiers and our service members. And also being socially isolated from loved ones back at home for months at a time. So the stress of deployment can leave many of our service members unfulfilled and feeling unable to find peace of mind. So... This compassion practice can really help, uh, can help expand our inner circle. So that instead of just having compassion for our loved ones, our family, our friends, and our comrades, 
that we can perhaps begin to expand that compassion to others that we don't know as well, that we're neutral towards, or that we might even have differences with. Research on compassion practices has shown changes, structural changes in the brain in areas that are important for empathy and compassion. And so the more we practice these types of compassion practices, the more possible that we are actually making hard changes in our brain, rewiring those neural circuits of empathy and compassion, which may alter the way we respond to situations, some of which can be very, very difficult in our environment. And so by expanding the circles of whom we share our compassion with and our understanding with, the more likely we are able to make informed decisions and the more likely we're able to regulate our emotions and respond more effectively to life's challenges. And so this practice can help us in a myriad of ways. And as General Pyatt was quoted as saying, compassion can be more powerful than bullets. And so we begin this practice, this compassion practice, by finding a comfortable position, either seated or lying down, eyes open or closed, and begin to settle in to your breath, breathing in and out. And focus in on the area of your chest and your heart, and just breathing in and out through this area of the body. Lengthening the breath on the inhale and exhale. And begin by bringing to mind someone who has supported you in your development or in your overall life. It might be a benefactor, mentor, leader, or teacher. And with this person in mind, wish them the following repeating to yourself. May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you be fulfilled and at peace.
And now shift your attention to someone you love, like a family member, friend, or pet. or a significant other. And with this person in mind, wish for them. May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you be fulfilled and at peace. Now bring to mind someone you feel neutral about. Perhaps someone you work with or you see at the coffee shop or cafe or dining hall. or store, someone you don't have any strong feelings towards one way or the other. And with this person in mind, wish for them, may you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you be fulfilled and at peace. Now bring to mind someone with whom you have differences with, such as a different culture, different opinions or beliefs, And with this person in mind, wish for them, may you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be happy. May you be fulfilled and at peace. Now bring to mind an image of yourself. Either at the present time in your life or when you are younger. And with this image of yourself in mind, wish for yourself, may you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be happy. 
may you be fulfilled and at peace. Taking a moment now to notice if you feel differently than from when you first began this practice. As we've expanded the circles of those who we share our compassion with, and begin to deepen the breath. And awaken your body as you slowly begin to return to the room where you now sit. And as you're ready, opening your eyes and returning to the present moment. Rare Minds is hosted by me, Captain Tom Nassif. It's a product of the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research, commanded by Colonel Clint Murray, and the U.S. Army Medical Research and Development Command, commanded by Brigadier General Michael Talley. Special thanks this week to Colonel Deidre Tehan, Colonel Sunset Belinsky of the Office of the Chief of Public Affairs of the Army, and of course, to General Pyatt. Today's final thought comes from Seamus Heaney, who wrote, Bear with the present, what will be, will be. The future is cloth waiting to be cut. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. Thank you.